Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. And welcome once again to Mother Angelica Answering the Call, the program that guarantees you'll never get a busy signal because Mother already picked up the phone call. And those go back to her live show back in the 80s and the 90s. I'm Doug Keck. Joining me on set is our chaplain, Father Joseph Mary Wolf. Always good to be be with with you, you, Doug. Yes, and... I love to hear people's vocation stories and how the Lord worked in their life, and that's one of the segments today. Right, as you jump ahead each week. <laughs> and let me mention the other ones that we're going to be hearing. Enrolling my family in the scapular, love does not go beyond obedience. It would be worth it for just one soul, something mm-hmm. Mother always talked about. But let's go back to the first one, as you alluded to, why Mother Angelica became a nun, which mm-hmm. is what the phone call leads us to. Yeah, that. Each one of us here at EWTN have our own story, how we ended up here. And I was talking with Mike Warsaw recently. I said, you know, you were 26 when you came here. I said, I was 26 when I came here. He said, really? Yeah. So interesting that we're both called in our 20s. And I've been here 26 years. That's the best (laughs) I can do. But we each have our own stories. And so I was talking to him about how Mother invited him to come down here and one of his first jobs was working in production and he wore a lot of different hats but he said it seems like I've always been traveling (laughs) you know and he's doing a lot of that today but we all have our own stories and Scott Hahn suggests that in heaven we're going to hear each other's stories how God intervened in our life for our salvation and it's never going to be tiresome because it's exciting to know how God's working now mother indicates that if you're religious you must be happy Mm-hmm. How's that working for you? It's working. Yeah, it's definitely working. But she also puts out it's not an easy life. So she brings that reality in there too. Neither is marriage, you know. That I was reading an article recently about m- marriage. Typically, you have four deaths, or t- most people have four deaths, mm-hmm. you know. That there's the death of dying to yourself when you get married, you know sacrificing for the other person then you have children and now there's another element of sacrifice then as you get older there's another element of losing certain things and then eventually death but all of that leads to a greater uh, gift of self and that's what mother's talking about here that that's where we really find happiness is giving of ourselves it's also different i would think being a religious versus even being a like say a secular priest right mm-hmm that we live in community, and so you have that rubbing up against each other, but you have the encouragement, too, of brothers who know the struggles, but also the joys. It's great to have the support. You know, I certainly prefer that, and that's why God called me to that. Absolutely. So now you can hear why Mother Angelica became a nun. We could go on, but we can't because we have a call. Hello? This is Jennifer. I can't hear you. Hello? Oh, hi. Mother Angelica? Yeah. This is Jennifer, and I'm from Mississippi. I'm nine years old. You're nine years old. And Um, what's your question? What is it like to be a sister? Are you happy about being one? (laughs) (laughs) Well, sweetheart, I am a happy nun. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I've been one for 52 years, for which I'm most grateful. <laughs> you know, a lot of people think, sweetheart, that uh, if you're a nun, you got to be something wrong with you, see. I mean, you kind of missed your chance. I've always said God was very, very good to some man when he gave me a religious vocation. <laughs> I would have given him one fit. I know that, but that isn't why I became an uncle. I became a nun when I was healed of a very serious stomach ailment, and I, I knew for the first time, and I was almost 19, that Jesus had a, he loved me individually, you know? But when you come from a single family, you, you lose track of God sometimes. You lose track of, of goodness, and you lose track of uh, compassion, and you lose track of God. You know there's a God, but you're trying to survive. The order of the day is survival, not religion. And it's as a result, you, you lose sight. See? God is someone up there that's got all kind of children, and you're one of them. But I found out that wasn't true. It wasn't true at all. God knew me, He loved me, and He healed me. And when I found that, that one fact, that one reality, that one truth, I had to serve him totally. Uh, there was no other choice. I had to say for the rest of my life, Lord, I love you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so, Religious life is not an easy life. It wasn't meant to be. Religious life is a total giving of myself. But that's, that's the only way to have happiness, you see. And we take vows to get rid of things, not to obtain, but to, to give our whole heart to God. And when your whole heart is with God, even in the process, this takes time. Even in that process, you learn how wonderful God is. And you know that no matter what sacrifice comes along, it's nothing compared to what He does for you and me. See? And so, religious should be, must be happy. Why? Because they have Jesus. In our community, we have, we're very spoiled. Because our life is to have the Blessed Sacrament always exposed in our chapels. There's always someone there day and night, 24 hours a day, year in and year out. It's been over 150 years now. Yet someone has been there to say thank you, Lord, for all mankind. And it's a happy life. It has its crosses and its heartaches and its frustrations, 
But you can never lose sight that you are a spouse of Christ. And like him, you also have to have your crucifixion and your resurrection. That constant dying and living. And that's what makes us happy. Next up on Mother Angelica Answering the Call, we move to a call about enrolling your family in the scapular. Now, I know mm-hmm. you enrolled our house in uh, the Sacred Heart. What mm-hmm. about the scapular? Yeah, that's a beautiful devotion, too. And typically it would be, it would take place when you received your first Holy Communion. That, that was one of the elements, too, many times. I've done it many times. I keep the ritual on me, actually, because uh, people will come here visit the gift shop. They've never been enrolled, and I'm very happy to do that. My own father, uh, the last time I went home and I saw my dad, he said, uh, can you bring some scapulars? Because his was getting worn and torn. Mm -hmm. And so I did that, and I blessed him, uh, blessed his scapular, and re-enrolled him again. And, um, but you know, he passed away uh, a week later, and I took that old wrinkled up one that he had been wearing for years, and that was one with, that he was buried with mm-hmm. because it was a sign that he had this love of Our Lady and trust. Right, and, and, and the stick to it, and it kept going mm-hmm. all those years, put yeah. that in. What's also great here, Mother talks a little bit about it because sometimes people go, well, a scapular, if you have this, you know, you're guaranteed to go to heaven. And Mother <laughs> says, you know, uh, you have to be a son and daughter of Our Lady. No goofing off and say, well, I got a scapular. <laughs> That's right. It's not going to get you in past St. Peter, no matter what they tell you. Let's see what Mother has to say about enrolling your family in the scapular. We have another call. Hello? Hello, Mother. Where are you from? I'm from Lansing, Illinois. And what is your question? I would like to know how to enroll my family and how do I go about doing so? Well, how do I say this? Get, find a priest who believes in the scapular. That, that's number one. Tell him to look at the Roman, uh, it's not the Roman Missal, but it's, it's the Roman ritual. And in the Roman ritual, there is a beautiful, there's a one to about three or four prayers. And then he, he has to put this on your head, like so. See? And I think if you get a Marian, a, a somebody, a priest that belongs to the Marian movement, I'm afraid some of our liberal brethren have dismissed or thrown away these very, very important sacramentals. In fact, I heard not too long ago somebody had sand in the, in the holy water fountain. I don't know what you're supposed to do with the sand. I don't know what you do with it. But anyway supposed to be holy water. But the scapular should be enrolled. You have to have a priest. He may come to your home and do it. It would be nice if you and your family could just go in the church and, and kneel down and, and be enrolled. I, all of our sisters felt something very special when they were enrolled. And most of us were enrolled the second time. But I figured, I don't remember being enrolled, and I figured if I didn't remember, I better do it again. But it's, I think it's very special. And, and you're protected, see. 
you're protected by my lady from eternal damnation. You got to be good now. You can't go around goofing off and say, well, I got a scapular on. <laughs> That's not going to save you. You have to be a son and daughter of our lady. You have to do what our lady please, and you have to be chaste in your state in life, whatever that is. You should be modest. And you know, you need it you need to be modest when you go to church. Oh my. You would not look like you look if you were in England and were called to the presence of Queen Elizabeth. And why do you go in the presence of God? You see, he doesn't care. What do you think he is over there? You think he's blind? He does care a lot. Because it, it says to me, you really don't believe the Lord Almighty God is really present, or you would never walk in the church. You men are no better than some women. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And thank you so much for staying with us for part two of Mother Angelica Answering the Call. I'm Doug Keck, along with Father Joseph Mary Wolf. So, Father, let's move into our next phone call. Love does not go beyond obedience. Some people think mm-hmm. it does. Yes, and when you're a young person, peer pressure is very strong. It's hard to rise above that and witness to your faith even when it's hard. And so that's what this story is about, a 21-year-old daughter... And, uh, and yet to see it, I think that's what we need to inculcate in our young people, to see it as an opportunity to help others to understand mm-hmm. and to explain our faith and what is it we believe, that we don't receive the Eucharist and the Catholic faith as if it's just a symbol. Or, and if you come up to receive communion, it means you embrace all that the Catholic faith teaches. Absolutely, and I think one of those things is what we're dealing with a lot today is the idea that there's this this separation, dualism between mm-hmm. my inner spirituality and my outer body, rather than seeing that in a Catholic way that the way you act physically mm-hmm. has to be in sync with what your spirituality is. Yeah, that the two are one, right? That you're living the faith, and then that communion expresses that and actually deepens that realization of living that out. Recently there was in the news this pop singer who wanted to get married in this beautiful Catholic church and she was told no. Um, and so there was a kind of this fuss about that as you know all of this judgmentalness and sort of thing. But it's like no are you embracing the Catholic faith or is it just like you like some of the prayers? Right exactly and it looks nice in the pictures and mm-hmm. that's not the idea behind it. So let's see what mother has to say of why love does not go beyond obedience. We have another call. Hello? Hello. Hi, where are you from? Uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And what is your question? Uh, it's a twofold question, sister. Um, my daughter was invited to a retreat by her best friend. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a Lutheran retreat, and they had asked for uh, each participant is in a denominational retreat, mm-hmm. and 
and they'd ask for each of the of the girls to have their pastors sign a letter that or get permission for them to receive communion at the retreat. Of course, we called and went to our priest. He said, no, uh, we can't do that. Um, but the daughter's 21 years old. And uh, the question that came back to me is that if Jesus were standing there distributing the communion, would he not give it to everyone? I'm clueless. I've talked to the deacon. I've talked to the priest. And, we, and I know where we stand as, as Catholics. On, but can she, and, and this is 20-year-olds, with their friends and their peers, what does she do? Um, I even suggested going up and folding her arms and not receiving communion and getting a blessing, and she said the Lutherans don't do that, and they look at you like, well, you know, why won't you receive Well, communion? you can't compare to Jesus because Jesus only communion to the apostles. He didn't go out in the streets and say, hey, everybody, uh, this is uh, the Last Supper. Everybody join in. He didn't say that. It's not right. Why? Because when you receive communion in a church, you profess their doctrine. That's the problem. See, you don't understand the problem. That's why my good brothers and brother can't come to the Catholic Church to receive communion because he does not accept the teachings of the church. See, to him, it may be a, a symbol or maybe nothing. So you, you need to belong to the church and you take the communion of that church because that is what you believe. And you see, your daughter didn't do the right thing because what she said when she went to, I believe in this communion, well, she couldn't be a Catholic and believe in the real presence and then believe he's only symbolically there. And I don't really feel, I was in that situation one time and I just, I just stayed there. They knew that, they know. And, and they knew I had nothing to do with my love for them. And when they came to Mass here, I had to say, you know, you can't receive communion. They understood. If I love my Protestant brother and he loves me, and we do, we have to understand each other's differences. But love goes beyond and above differences, but it does not go beyond obedience. So it had nothing to do that your daughter's 21. In fact, the fact she was 21 would say to me, she should have known better. <laughs> Not that she had a choice to make. Just because you're 21 doesn't mean you can make your own choices if you don't have an enlightened conscience or you know you shouldn't do something, you do it anyway. That's not. <laughs> That's not feeling a freedom of will. You have gone against something. That's, what you, that's where your will is. You went against something you shouldn't go against. And if my neighbor's love for me depends on my believing and, and accepting everything he believed, who are you going to love? You don't even believe all the stuff your husband believes or your wife. <laughs> well, you're going to stop loving now because he likes pizza and you hate pizza. <laughs> You make him pizza, let him eat it. Let him eat all of it. See, we can't, we can't just say, I'm 21. I can do as I please. No, I'm afraid you can't. Try it on a red light. <laughs> let me know so I can stand on the corner. 
That is not a true statement. See? So you tell your daughter, uh, she ought to, when she goes to confession, she ought to say that, you know, that she yielded to human respect. Uh, you know, we all do sometimes. It's unfortunate. And wrapping up for this week, we have a call where Mother talks about why it would be worth for just mm -hmm. one soul. Now, this has to be close <laughs> to your heart. It warms my heart whenever uh, some of the people passing through here say, you got us through COVID. And it makes it worth all the sacrifices that were entailed in that time, um, not just for us, for others, every, all the employees and stuff. But it just makes it all worth it, you know, that people benefited, that they find new life in the gospel. That's what our intention is, to bring just the, the basic gospel message that is life-giving. Absolutely. And I think it's a great message for us as individuals because many of us say, well, what can I do? I, I can't affect the culture. I can't. But you're not mm -hmm. called to do those things. You're called to affect the people around you mm -hmm. in how you live your life. And if in doing that, all the, however you live helps one other person, exactly. then you've achieved the goal that Mother set for the network. Exactly. And if you're looking too big, you know, like you're going to just do this big project that's going to conquer the world, you're going to miss the day, just the little things that have to lead up to that. Maybe God's going to make it grow like he's made this network grow, but it begins with something small, acts of love, acts of faith and charity toward God and others. She said it many times. It would be worth it for just one soul. We have another call. Hello? Hello, Mother Angelica. How are you? I am very, very fine. This is Ken and Nancy from Aptos, California calling. Wonderful. What's and, your question? Well, basically, we have two, uh, uh, two things, a uh, little short testimony, and then also uh, for you and your sisters to pray for. First off, my wife, uh, about six years ago, I'll do this very short because I know you're short of time, and she developed diabetic retinopathy, which is a blinding condition of the eyes. Through our local parish priest who anointed her and a very good friend, uh, a neighbor, that gave her a scapular to uh, take with her during the laser surgeries of what she had. And now I must say she was blind and we went to a specialist in Monterey, California, and he didn't give her much hope. And now she's behind a camera taping weddings with myself. Ah, how so praise wonderful. God and between the Blessed Mother and, and everything else that happens. Uh, also, I know you hear this 100 million thousand times. This is television worth watching. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, we get so many people that come back to Jesus because of EWTN. I told you last week about the, the missionary in the jungles of Colombia who watches the radio, who listens every night to the radio. And that keeps him working in the heat and the lack of food and all the dampness and the rain. Uh, if we saved one soul, just one, it would be worth all the years and toil and tears that it took and takes for this network to go on. And I, I, I'm so grateful when we hear how powerful is the word. I told you, I made a bargain with the Lord when we started this 15, almost 15 years ago. I said, Lord, I'll get the signal from here to there and there to here. 
after that. It's your problem. <laughs> We've kept our part of the bargain, and he keeps his. I can't tell you how many souls away from the church, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, that come back fervent, living holy lives. So I just want you to know, and those of you that keep this network going, awesome thing, more than a cup of cold water will your reward be. For bringing a soul home is an awesome reward. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.